found there as we continue to walk with him knowing he is our cornerstone how blessed a people we are thank you so much for your attendance today we welcome you to church on the hill if you're a guest here in house we especially take a moment to say thank you for coming to those that have joined us online those that have joined us by kths radio we're so glad you are a part of this service today as we are here at the Sunday before Thanksgiving and we have so much to be thankful for. You know, one of the things I'm thankful for is the <clears throat> privilege to be on this journey with you and I'd like to invite Billy and Abby and little William up this morning. It's time for a baby dedication. Amen. Y'all come. Carol, would you join me, please? What a, a great young family we have. You guys, I want you to come up here front and center. They don't need to look at me. They need to look at you. Give them another great hand. Isn't this a great? And you're pretty observant, aren't you? Huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, guys, the <clears throat> journey of life that has brought you together to journey together and has now added to you such an awesome joy and responsibility. Say you don't ever appreciate your raising until you're raising one. So now you have to ask yourself, how much do I have to pay? Well, it's worth every effort and every dollar because children are a heritage of the Lord. He is so blessed and you're so blessed. The responsibilities in this day and time are not small. We need a lot of prayer and help and encouragement from family and friends, and you're blessed with that. So today, as we dedicate your wonderful addition to your family, we do so knowing that the Lord is there to help us in every step of this journey. Would you join me in standing for our dedication prayer, please? Lord, truly today, we acknowledge your blessings to Abby and Billy. What a wonderful jewel you have given to them. And I ask you now, Lord, for your divine anointing in a special way to ever rest upon William Henry from this day forward to be guided by the wisdom and direction and strength of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you'll give Abby and, and Billy the knowledge and understanding and strength to fulfill this task to accomplish your plan and purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Amen. You want this microphone to have something to say? <laughs> Bless you, guys. Carol has a special gift. Yeah, one more big hand. Amen. Yes. <laughs> what a joy and privilege to journey life together as we've come together. You noticed on the announcements in your bulletin that the there's a break this Wednesday night, so enjoy the time with your family. Today I trod where angels fear to trod. Slaying the giant of ingratitude. Now you'll understand more when I go into this because I, I, don't, I don't suppose what I've got to say will affect any of you. So I just preach to myself. If you happen to hear something that applies, <clears throat> just tell your one sitting next to you, I think that's for you. I don't see that for me. <laughs> A good thought to remember comes from billionaire investor Sir John Templeton. He was a devout Christian who served the board of Princeton Theological Seminary for almost, or a little over maybe, 40 years, and his foundation is involved in charitable causes throughout the world. But this is what he said about the importance of gratitude. If you're not grateful, you're not rich, no matter how much you have. That's a kind of important understanding. Somebody said, well, you know, money won't buy happiness, but it sure would help me on my journey. That's partially true, but if you're not grateful, you're still not rich, no matter how much money you may have. Adrian Rogers said there's no sin greater than the sin of ingratitude. Now, many people think that if you're rich, <clears throat> being grateful should be easy. It seems that way, but the more wealthy people you get to know, the more you realize that really isn't the case. <clears throat> In her book, <clears throat> John Paul the Great, Peggy Noonan tells about meeting, a meeting that she had with this very high-powered CEO of Fortune 500. And he told her that it was time for the annual report for all public companies to come out, and he was looking forward to reading the reports of his competitors. And when she asked, well, why? He said that he, well, he said, I always flip to the back of the report to see what the other CEOs get as part of their compensation package. Corporate jets, private helicopters, you know, things like that. <clears throat> he said, we all do that. We all want to see who has what. Of course, when one CEO discovers that another has a perk that they don't have, then they set out to see how they might be able to get that perk for themselves. It doesn't do any good to point our fingers at these greedy, overpaid CEOs. Sometimes we're often guilty of some of the same things. At work, we want to make sure that no one gets a better deal than we've got. Got to be on top. What happens then is, is the tragic thing that life becomes a competition. It becomes increasingly difficult 
to enjoy what you have because you're focused on what everybody else has. Gore Vandell once said, it's not enough to succeed, others must fail. This kind of attitude is an attitude that prevents us from being rich no matter how much we have because it takes gratitude completely out of the equation. So we have to develop within ourselves, each of us have a personal responsibility to do this, to cultivate the habit of being grateful. For every good thing that comes to us, and we need to develop the habit to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, Ralph Emerson said you should include all things in your gratitude. I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about having a rich, fulfilling life in every area. And to be able to have that, we have to understand that Gratitude is the key. No better time, I don't think on the calendar than now, than at this, the week of Thanksgiving, to look at and search and evaluate our gratitude. If we want to increase the quality of life, which will mean more satisfaction from our work, more joy from our relationships, a more fulfilling walk with Christ, then we have to learn to be grateful. The goal is to make gratitude a habit. In other words, a choice you make. And here's the thing about it. It's a choice that you have to make again and again and again. Again and again and again until it comes naturally to you. Now, we make choices every day. You made one right after the alarm went off. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but we have to make choices, and they have to become a habit. The fact is that gratitude doesn't come naturally to most of us. Here's something we don't like to admit, and it probably doesn't affect you in any way, but grumbling comes naturally. Gratitude takes effort. <laughs> That's why we have to work at it until it becomes second nature. Shortly after the Vietnam War, a man drove up to a gas station in Arizona during a violent rainstorm. Now, this was in the day that they pumped your gas. Some of you need to read history and see when that was. That was how your car got fuel in it. Somebody put it in there for you. Well, that was back in this time. See, it's been a while ago. The attendant came out. He was whistling happily as he filled the gas tank. The man paid for his gas, and then he apologized for bringing the attendant in, out in such a downpour. The attendant said, that's all right. His clothes <laughs> dripping a puddle of water as he stood before him. <clears throat> and he said this. When I was lying in a foxhole in Vietnam, 
I vowed that if I ever got home alive, I'd be so grateful I wouldn't complain about anything again, and I haven't. Wow. Wow. He had figured out a secret that was so important to living life in a happy way. Elizabeth Elliot, whose story was told in the movie The End of the Spear, had this to say about it. It is always possible to be thankful for what is given rather than to complain about what is not given. And here's the key. One or the other becomes a habit of life. So today I want to share with you for a few minutes about how we can develop the habit of gratitude, which destroys the giant of ingratitude. We take the very thing of gratitude and we put it to work for our benefit. Number one, start being grateful for who you are. I dare say most of us, in some way, may be a little bit unhappy about some aspect of ourselves. Usually it's an aspect that we had nothing to do with. We think, for instance, why can't I be taller? Thought that a lot of times. Why can't I be skinnier? They don't make skinny ice cream. That's fit to eat. Why can't I be better looking? Why couldn't I have been born rich? Why couldn't I have been born in another place or another time? Why couldn't I have a better singing voice? Or a better pitching arm? You see, many people are dissatisfied with the raw material they've been given to work with. In fact, the fact is, however, God made you and God made me just as we are. He had you in mind when he made you. So we need to be grateful for what God made you to be. Listen to how David expressed it in the 139th Psalm, starting verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You saw me from before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. Today's text, he said in verse 6, You have been with me from birth, from my mother's womb. You have cared for me. Abraham Lincoln said it's difficult to make a man miserable when he feels worthy of himself and claims kindred to the great God who made him. So we need to accept the fact that God has made us the way we are. 
He chose your parents. He chose your birthday. He chose your physical attributes, your talents, your intellectual capacity. You are just as he wanted you to be. That's not a bad thing. We just need to figure out, instead of grumbling about yourself, take some time to say thank you. Thank you. Now, another way to get good at gratitude is remember what God has done for you. Remember what he's done for you. Thomas Merton said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us, and he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. It says in the book of James, Chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. You see, we need to learn to recognize these gifts. We need to learn to acknowledge them and remember them as long as we live. Remember what God has done for us. David said in verse 15, all day long, I will proclaim your saving power, for I am overwhelmed by how much you have done for me. And again, he said in verse 19, you have done such wonderful things. Who can compare with you, O God? See, God has blessed each of us in thousands of ways, many of which... <clears throat> Sadly, we probably not properly acknowledged. For instance, the people he's put in our lives, the jobs he's provided, the protection he's given, the mercy he has shown. So I encourage you to look back at your life and see how the hand of God has guided you from one place to the next, from one event to the next. Look at the pleasant things that have happened, the unasked for blessings, the undeserved favors, and say, Thank you. Thank you. Now, if you're like me, this could keep you busy for a couple of decades. Barbara Ann Kiffer was a teenager. She got the idea to make a list of her, her favorite things. No matter how much she wrote, she, she just couldn't run, seem to run out of any ideas. <clears throat> so the list continued to grow, and she added to it through the day and on the bus at the end, dinner table and even in the middle of the night. Twenty years and, and dozens of spiral notebooks later, her list was compiled into a single volume and published under the title, 14,000 Things to Be Happy About. Now, that's a pretty good idea. Wow. Writing down little things. The little things, acknowledging, recognizing, and remembering the work of God. This might be a real good exercise to say, for one of my devotionals this week, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to recognize and acknowledge and remember a few of those things. That might even be something that would be important to develop as a habit. You see, when you think about the past, don't think about the disappointments. <clears throat> think about God's blessings. At the end of the day, 
it's, it's good to take some time and think about what good thing God brought your way in the past 24 hours. You see, gratitude is a habit. We have to practice it daily in order to get good at it. Third way of getting good at gratitude is to practice living in the moment. We need to remain connected enough to the past, yes, that we remember what God has done for us. But we don't want to live in the past. I don't know about you. I don't want to live in the past. I'm thankful for God's touch in the past. I'm thankful for God's deliverance. But I don't want to live there. And we need to be focused enough on the future that we're moving in the direction God wants us to go, but we don't live in the future yet, correct? We don't live in the past. We don't live in the future. Where do we live? Right now. Right here. So we need to learn to live in the moment. This moment, right now, where you are, This is all you have. You can't bring back the past. You can't hurry toward the future. We have right now. Reminds me of the Bill Gaither song. It goes, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come. But we have this moment today. Now, some people are unable to appreciate what God is doing for them today because they're still haunted by things that happened years ago. There are people who've been able to get so trapped in the past that they can never get to today. There are people who have never been able to get past the bitterness of a divorce or who have never been able to pick up the pieces after a business loss, or who have never been able to get over being treated unfairly, or who have never been able to forgive themselves for something they did long, long ago. See, the trouble is this kind of thinking is opposite of everything gratitude stands for. Here's one of the things that it's kind of difficult to do, but so important that we do. We have to accept the fact that the past is gone. It's gone. Doesn't do any good to dwell on it. It isn't breaking news. We all already know this. I know that, but I could stand up here and say it till I'm blue in the face, but it's up to you to decide that you will not be bound to the past. It's a choice you have to make. In the same way, many people are unable to appreciate what God is doing for them today because they're obsessed with what might happen in the future. They can't express gratitude today because they're worried about tomorrow. You see, we have to realize As long as we have a pulse, let me give you a word of truth today. I'm not telling you it's a word of (laughs) encouragement. I'm telling you it's a word of truth. 
You know, there's a difference between a word of encouragement and a, and a word of truth sometimes. A word of truth is this. We have to realize as long as we have a pulse, we will have problems. Check your pulse. If you've got a pulse, you're going to have problems. And as long as we have a pulse, we're going to have some pressures that are not enjoyable. That's just true. I'm not trying to encourage you. Don't want to discourage you, but I just want to tell you reality, okay? We have to realize that choosing to live in this moment is a step of faith on our part, okay? It's a step that is saying, God, I don't know about the future. I don't know the solution to every problem that I face, but I trust you to see me through. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. The past is the past that I have today, and I want to do the best I can today, and that I can trust him for the future. That's something I can do. You see, all those things you worried about back then have long since been resolved and, and hopefully mostly forgotten. Do you realize there are so many people that spend so much time worrying about things that never happen? Well, it could. Yeah. It could snow, but it may not. You know? At least I'm going to worry about it. We have to live each day and not worry about what might have been. I don't know. There's been times that people, do you remember when? You know, and it wasn't a good situation. And I was having a hard time remembering. Because I don't know about you, I've got some past I'd rather forget. Just remember it's forgiven. Remember I've got victory over it. And let's go forward. You're probably not going to be able to live many days in the future without some kind of problem evolving over the horizon. Every day seems to bring a a new bit of a little bit of pressure of some kind. Some days bring a lot. Some days bring a little. Every day I have to make the choice to live in the moment. The choice to live in the moment is always the step of faith. And I've learned that I cannot experience gratitude unless I take that step. David said in verse 8, This is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. See, gratitude is a habit, and we have to practice it daily in order to get good at it. I already said that, didn't I? Uh, good. Just in case you didn't hear what I said, I said gratitude is a habit, and we have to practice it daily in order to get good at it. You see, if you want to get good at gratitude... Practice living in the moment all day with a thankful heart. Here's the fourth thing. I fooled you, didn't you? You thought three. I got another one in. And I'm still doing good on time. Here's the fourth thing. Tell others about the goodness of God. Here's why most non-Christians do not feel comfortable talking about God with a Christian. We don't spend our time 
telling them how good God is, we spend our time telling them how bad they are. Somewhere along the way, there's a few of us that somehow got the idea that you are a sinner and you're going to hell is the good news. Huh? There's a whole lot more to it than that, folks. Every person that comes to Christ must confess their sin. The Bible's very clear about that. But that's not where the conversation begins. If you want to talk about God, the best place to begin is telling your non-Christian friends how great God is. They probably already know where they're headed. Tell them all the wonderful things he's done for you, for your family, for the people you know, for the people throughout history. Testify to God's goodness. That's what David said, verses 15 through 17. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long I will proclaim your saving power, for I am overwhelmed by how much you have done for me. I will tell everyone that you alone are just and good. I have constantly told others about the wonderful things you do. Just tell people what God is doing for you. You see, talking about God's goodness helps people understand how much they need Him. It helps them recognize how empty their lives are without Him. It helps them see how far they have missed that mark of righteousness. So talking about the goodness of God opens the door for the Holy Spirit to convict the heart of the non-Christian. That's His job, not ours. So talking about the goodness of God also reinforces our sense of gratitude and encourages other believers to maintain a thankful heart in the living of life. You see, truth of the matter is, you can't go wrong in talking about the goodness of God. Talking about the goodness of God keeps gratitude going. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran theologian who died in a Nazi war camp in 1945, said this, in ordinary, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it is only through gratitude that life becomes rich. Like Templeton said, without gratitude, we're not rich no matter how much we have. On the other hand, with gratitude, no matter how little you have, your life can become rich and vibrant and satisfying. The key's in gratitude. We have to practice it daily, I think I said. <laughs> yeah, okay. Make that your lifelong pursuit to develop the habit of gratitude every moment of the day. Don't be like the grandmother that was watching her grandchild play on the beach when a huge wave come in and takes him out to sea. She cries out, please, God, save my grandson. I beg you, bring him back. Big wave comes and washes the boy back on the beach. It's good as new. 
She looks up to heaven and says, he had a hat. (laughs) Have you noticed that some people just can't be satisfied? Some people, I'm probably not talking about you as much as me, (laughs) have a hard time expressing adequately gratitude or even feeling it. In 2001, Stephen Post, who was a medical professor of bioethics, created a research group. And he he titled the group the Institute for Research on Unlimited Love, dedicated to testing and measuring the effects of love, gratitude, and other positive caring emotions in human life. In his research, he discovered that spending 15 minutes a day focused on things you are grateful for, have the following effects on your physical health. Number one, it increases your body's natural antibodies. Number two, it increases mental capacity and reduces the possibility of depression. The third thing it does is it creates a psychological state of resonance. In other words, improving your blood pressure and heart rate. That's what gratitude can do just from the natural standpoint. It not only lifts up the recipient, it also gives life to the one expressing it. This is why we're told time and time again in Scripture to give thanks. Thankful heart puts us in the right alignment with God and with one another. As Colossians, the third chapter said, and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all of his riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him, to God the Father. J. Fulton Sheen, and I close. He wrote this. An interesting phenomena in children is that gratitude or thankfulness comes relatively late in their young lives. He further concluded that they almost have to be taught it. If not, they grow up thinking that the world owes them a living. Look at your TV and I rest my case. A lady said, you know, she didn't want to force her son to say thank you unless he really felt like saying it. If I teach him to say thank you when he doesn't feel thankful, I'm teaching him that it's okay to be a hypocrite. I want to tell you something, lady. That's not even close to what gratitude is. Our feelings have nothing to do with why we express it. 
Gratitude is not an emotion, it's an action. The act of saying thank you is for the benefit of the other person. It's about their feelings, not yours. The same is true when it comes to saying thank you to God. Thankfulness is the proper response to the goodness of God. We say thank you because he is good, not because we happen to feel good. There is a difference. That's why the psalm so often refers to the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's an act of obedience, not just an emotional outburst. Rick, if you all would begin to come. David said, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and call upon the name of the Lord. Like children, believers, we need to learn how to be thankful. Most of the time when we consider all the good things God has done for us, we'll feel thankful, but even when our feelings don't cooperate, we need to properly express gratitude, offering God a sacrifice of thanksgiving for the kindness and the mercy He has shown to us. After the video, they will sing, and we just want to spend a little bit of time being thankful to God because the way to slay the giant of ingratitude is to practice gratitude. Sometimes it's hard finding thankfulness. With all the struggles, the visions, the anger often hidden deep within us. Too often life begins to drain the joy, distress, destroy the deafening noise, shuts out the voice of God. We walk our road, we wander our path, setting the tone, watching our steps right and left, every breath spent, longing for the next big thing. But what if we could give thanks in the little things, the small victories, the tiniest dreams that seem to feed our soul? of God to never leave or move on to care and to love becomes undeniable. Finding gratitude in the everyday. This, this is where thankfulness begins.
Amen. And we are grateful and thankful. Thank you so much for coming this morning. God bless you. For those of you that are here the first time, Pastor Keith is in the front foyer. That's the foyer behind you, and he would love to meet with you. To the rest, God bless you. Remember, no service Wednesday. Have a great day.